as the 21st century began, human evolution was at a turning point. Natural selection, the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest reproduced in greater numbers than the rest, a process which had once favored the noblest traits of man, now began to favor different traits. Most science fiction of the day predicted a future that was more civilized and more intelligent. But as time went on, things seemed to be heading in the opposite direction, a dumbing down. How did this happen? Evolution does not necessarily reward intelligence. With no natural predators to thin the herd, it began to simply reward those who reproduced the most and left the intelligent to become an endangered species. You're listening to My Mac Podcast number 204. There's new laptops on the way. The next generation of radio, it's the MyMac.com Podcast. And thanks for downloading the My Mac Magazine podcast. Joined this week, by the way, my name is Tim Robertson, and I'm joined by Lee Givens. Hello, Lee Givens. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Good. I, I understand you had uh, you were on your deathbed. You, yeah. you almost died. Yeah, you know, I was thinking if I could uh, get some replacement parts as easy as I fix my MacBook Pro, uh, I'd be in good shape, but uh, I'm, I'm all recovered. Good, good. Glad to hear it. I did hear, you know, when you told me that you were ill, I was kind of worried, but of course it was after the fact because you were already on the road to recovery. <laughs> yeah, because the day it started, I was curled up in a ball uh, suffering from fever, and I was like, oh, wait. I got to do a podcast. My Must wife's contact like, Tim. Let him know <laughs> ill. <laughs> but I, I couldn't stop coughing. It was like constant coughing. So oh. I figured uh, I'd, I'd, I'd let the listeners uh, uh, get a break there. Well, you know, I had the same thing, uh, and I, I had it for like three weeks in a row. Wow. I still did the podcast, but I tell you what, my hand was on the volume control, so the listeners wasn't hearing that too much. I'd turn it down and cough and cough and um <laughs> so it it, it it was something going around a lot of people are getting it uh guy Searle, is it anything that you've got no no i'm i'm so far healthy wealthy and and not too wise well you're doing better than me on whoops just hit my microphone i'm sure that sounded really good on the show boom uh so you're healthy for the for the for the meantime <laughs> for the meantime uh david cohen all the way from the uk it's very late there right now but here you are in the show. Top of the evening to you, Governor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let's get it started. Uh, kind of a few things happened this week that I think is definitely worth talking about. For me, and I think Lee's going to join me in, in uh, agreeing with this, uh, Visual Hub developer tech expansion shuts down. That was sad. The, I, I've, I'm in mourning. I really, you know, I don't want to make light of this. This is something that, this is a product that I use, oh, four or five times a week. I, I pay for this product. Mm-hmm. I've been very extremely happy with it. I've been using it for years, even before, Lee, you were telling me that that's what you use to convert uh, video files. Yeah, uh, I mean, I well, I was using it in production at uh, Discovery. Yeah. I was using it all over the place. It, it, it's a fantastic, now there's other software out there that does it, and yeah. it's using uh, a built-in Mac OS Actually, I think technically a Unix um, function to to do what it was doing, but it did it so well. It was one of the best softwares out there for converting video, and it's, it's no more. Now, the developer didn't say why he decided not to continue developing. It sounded like it was a personal thing. 
and uh, it's still sad. Yeah. Now, what about uh, what about Ice Queen? It's gone too. It's gone too. If if you can't you can't even download them from his website anymore. They've actually all disappeared. So um, probably worth mentioning actually, if you are a Visual Hub owner and you have a licensed copy, um, go on up to the website. There's some instructions there on how to take a backup so that if you ever have to reinstall it on another machine, you can recover it to the condition it's in today. So um, that's definitely worth doing. It's something like, as soon as I, no- I was notified about this, I made sure I did straight away because I-, I haven't done that yet, and I plan to because I I love this application. It's eventually it's going to break. There's going to be a Mac OS ten update yep. that's going to break this application. It's never going to get updated again, which is uh, really sad because it's such a great piece of software. I got to imagine this is this was not an easy decision on his part. Uh, number one, because I, I have to assume that he was making money on it. And number two, from our point of view, uh, there's really nothing else out there that's as intuitive to use. And, and it's uh, actually fun to use. These guys had a really good sense of humor. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You, if you looked in the help section and, you know, if you went to the advanced settings, it says, don't do it. You'll screw it up. I mean. Yeah. Are you really sure? Are you really <laughs> sure? Yeah. Because I did the, the it's at least a year ago, the, the product review of this up at MyMac.com. And it was one of those products that I did the review of that I've been using the product for years and years. And uh, I was happy to do the review. I was hoping that a lot of people would read it and go up and buy this application because I was just extremely satisfied with it. So it's sad to see it go. I mean, right now the Macs are gaining market share. More and more people are using them. More and more people are wanting to convert video. They're they're using their Mac as the hub of their digital life. And then one of the very best tools to do that, to help you do that, they're gone. Did you see this, the uh, nostalgia button? No, I didn't. That was on there on the expansion page. It, it opens up a, uh, I think it's a QuickTime file that's that's kind of amusing. Uh, I'm not saying do it right now, but when you get a chance, go to the expansion page, which has some information on how to back up, you know, either Visual Hub or Audio Audio Hub if those are programs that you have. And at the bottom of the page, there's a thing that says, oh, well, it was fun while it lasted. And there's a blue button there that says nostalgia that goes to this other page that has the little QuickTime movie. So, Lee, is there any other software out there that you like that you think you may be moving to since uh, Visual Hub is going bye-bye? Well, I, I use a couple different things. So I use uh, Flip for Mac. Uh, I, I have the, one of the professional HD versions. It's, it's, it's a little expensive, about 180 bucks, but it does the job if you're doing Windows Media. Um, I like Perian. Uh, for, I've heard good for, things for playing stuff back, but uh, for H.264, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty satisfied with the tools I currently have in Compressor uh, from Apple and uh, QuickTime by itself. Yeah, QuickTime. Here's the thing: I've been trying to figure out. I know QuickTime I can use to to do some work with, but yeah. if it's an AVI file, QuickTime won't touch it. Yeah, if you have an AVI file, Perian will get will get it in there. So sometimes I'll have FLV files. I'll use Perian to load it in a QuickTime. Then I'll use it to uh, export out to H.264 or something uh, where I could uh, get it imported into uh, Final Cut Pro or something like that. David, wasn't it you that was talking about the H.264, uh, that little card from, uh, I think it was Otherworld Computing, that you had brought this up on one of the shows? That's right. In fact, Elgato make it. Uh, Elgato, that's and, who it was. Uh, the problem, the problem is, I mean, it's it's it it really works best if you have a slower Mac. I mean, actually, on my on my two point two gigahertz MacBook, uh, Visual Hub will uh, actually give it a run for its money in terms of encoding speed. Um, 
so uh, so you know it, it's better on the old Macs. The, the problem with the Elgato uh, device, the device is fantastic. Um, and it's very easy to use. You just drag stuff on onto the application, and it encodes it. The problem is you have relatively little flexibility in terms of um, being able to to mess around with the file if you want to adjust it. Uh, and and sometimes you know you'll put a file in there for for one reason or another, the software just won't like it, and there's nothing you can do. Whereas with Visual Hub, you always have the opportunity to uh, you know maybe uh, use QuickTime to strip out the audio and then recombine it later. Um, so the, the you know the Elgato. Thing is, is you know, it's very much it's it's a uh, you know it's an end user product and it's it's fairly easy to use, but it doesn't give you much flexibility. What I liked about uh, Visual Hub was that you always had that um, you know don't mess it up, um, but you always had those um, those extra settings if you needed them. Yeah, it was a very powerful piece of software. Um, I'm definitely going to back mine up because I don't want to lose it anytime soon. Do you think, uh, guy? You think another developer is going to step up and? and Create something that's on, you know, on par with Visual Hub. Oh, I, I have no doubt that somebody will. Uh, there was, in fact, I was just looking for it too. There's a program that I was using um, while I was in Idaho. So I had that, you know, the, the Canon camera that has that weird video format, and I actually downloaded a program that allowed me to convert it. And now I can't find it. But yeah, some someone's going to step up and fill the fill the void. Somebody always does. Hey, maybe AOL software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be. A, it was one of the things. Actually, I, I really did. Uh, it was one of the things I had in my back of my head. I was like, wow, that'd be kind of interesting to build in, you know, uh, video conversion tools into a desktop. I was thinking it'd be pretty interesting or on the fly translation. So if you drop a file in AIM. It could do a, a file translation for you, but uh, it, it'll be interesting. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I think there's some good places to go with that. I think so. The other news, and uh, we bring this up because we actually had them on the show, the app podcaster, we had the developer here on the show a couple weeks ago, uh, was rejected from the Apple Store, or the App Store, I should say, as we all remember, because it duplicated functionality in iTunes, which it absolutely did not. And a lot of people were upset about that, including me. I think that was a, a, a BS decision on Apple's part. But nonetheless, we asked him at the time. I'm forgetting his name. Does do anybody remember? Oh, I cannot remember. Let me uh, look it up. Uh, nobody's saying anything, so I'm assuming that you guys all forgot his name too. <laughs> the, the problem is, you know, when you do the uh, a weekly show and you talk to so many different people. After that was a while, Alex Stewart, Kirk. Ah. Ah, Sorkrinsky. Sorkrinsky. Yeah, Sorkrinsky. When when we had Alex on the show, that was uh, a long time ago, show 201, and this is 204. Um, When we had him on the show, I asked him, is this something that you might want to bring to the jailbreak community? And he said, well, he wasn't sure, um, but he was thinking about that. Well, guess what? He absolutely did. You can get Podcaster if you have a jailbroke iPhone now. Wow. So I think that that's... You know, there's a lot of apps. I don't and say a look, lot. There's been a number else, of apps. What else did he have to lose? Well, at this point, nothing. I mean, he, he already wrote the application. Right. Um, I don't know, though. Is the tools that you can use to develop software for the iPhone in the jailbreak community, are they worth really learning compared to what you can get with the iPhone developer kit? I think Lee would probably be the best to answer that question. Well, you know, Apple does lay it out pretty nicely when you have the SDK. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's so easy, but uh, I have actually none of us on the team have uh, taken a look at any jailbreak 
uh, ways of developing apps. But uh, deep down, it's you know, it's pretty. It's probably pretty similar. Hmm. I don't know. Um, Not sure. I, I can't imagine it's too difficult or too. Or if you can already program for the iPhone using the SDK, I gotta yeah. imagine those same skills are gonna do just fine on the jailbreak community. Yeah. The uh, other thing, this was I didn't even hear about the rumor until after the fact, but the SEC is investigating a false Steve Jobs heart attack. CNN posted an eye report that said Jobs had a heart attack and uh, the stock fell by like ten percent. On the news, right. the the SEC is looking into it now. Uh, a couple different things that's really worth talking about, but let's start with uh, the false heart attack rumor from Steve Jobs. Uh, anybody have any ideas why somebody would want to, you know, put that out there like that? Well, I think the the, the main reason would be if, if it was for financial gain was to, you know, affect the stock to either sell it short or you well, know, pick. It, selling short was banned at the time that that report came out. You couldn't well, sell short. Well, just for financial institutions, you could sell short uh, technology companies. Ah, I didn't know so, that. So what happened that week, which is kind of interesting, all the people who were uh, sitting there uh, not making any money because people want volatility. So all the shorters, all the people on the market who do nothing but sell short, they moved to technology and they started selling everything short. That's why Apple's stock price drip, dropped so much in the last two weeks. Because of the ban on short selling in, fin- in financials, uh, everybody moved to tech because tech was in over- overly inflated. They felt like they could short it, and no better way to make a ten percent uh, increase in a couple minutes is to uh, make a false rumor. The uh, the other side of this, and I think this is more interesting, is the whole I report at CNN.com. Are you guys familiar with the I report? Is no. Yes. Yeah, so- Basically, it's citizen journalism, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, right, un- right. it's unverified um, postings that, that bloggers can put up to, um, and you know, put up to CNN. And then, and the problem is, is and and you know, what what really caused this problem is that when it was then subsequently reported, it was reported as CNN says that Steve Jobs has had a heart attack, yeah. and the fact that CNN name was associated with it mm-hmm. um, gave the story more credibility. Than you know, if um, you know, plinkyplonkblog.com had had posted the same piece of information, and that's why you know the stock took a beating, and um, you know everything followed on from there. And and you know, really, I think extremely naive of CNN to set uh, set something like that up and um, not consider that something like this could happen. I would wonder, and I would ask CNN, what kind of vetting process do they use to allow these? Uh, I report reports <laughs> go live. I mean, if someone sends in an I report, does it automatically get uploaded and it's live for anybody to download? Or only someone if, only C- if they if only if they talk about it. Well, but so I, I would imagine somebody at CNN literally has to flip a switch and say, "Yeah, this can be up there on the site and people can start watching it." I mean, otherwise, people would be starting to put porn and all kinds of stuff up there using, you know, proxy servers and stuff like that so they couldn't get busted for it, which, by the way, was the case in, with this fake Steve Jobs heart attack. Uh, it was uploaded via a proxy server to protect the identity of whoever uploaded it. Yep. So what's the vetting process at CNN? Is there a vetting process at I CNN? I don't think there is. A, I, bet, I, don't think I there bet there is, is now. Well, why wasn't that there before? You, you know, the most trusted name and blah, 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 and you're just letting rumors like this that can – Literally affect the stock price, the health of a, of a business. Yeah, I mean, the tag the tagline on the iReport site is unedited, unfiltered news, 
I mean, you know, but it's not the, news. That wasn't news. That's my yeah, point. Yeah, but the, but that's that's the problem. Is that, but it is unedited and unfiltered. And it says on here, take note. It's a user-generated site that means the stories submitted are not edited, fact-checked, or screened before they post. Only the stories marked on CNN have been vetted by CNN for use in CNN's global news coverage. So the problem is, is that as I say, somebody picked it up off this site, didn't read the fact that it was unedited or um, or uh, not fact-checked or verified, and then started saying CNN or somebody via CNN has said, and you know, gave it more credibility than it was worth. You think it, CNN? You know, Go ahead, David. C- well, I, the problem the problem with the reason that CNN does things like this, and I, I see it here in the UK with the, you know, the BBC, which is constantly showing, um, you know, mobile phone footage from stories nowadays, and and emails that are sent in directly on on you know on the twenty four hour news channels. When you've got twenty four hours of of news to fill, you know, you'll take whatever you can take and talk about it because you've just got to make sure that you've got constantly got fresh con- content. And so, you know, they're, they're very much into doing these, uh, into doing these things. And, they, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of bogus because, uh, because it's, it's just, it's not, it's, it's, it's not verified. It's not vetted. It's not correct. What do you think, Lee? You think legally there's anything that somebody could do against CNN if they're going to report this stuff? I don't care what the disclaimer is. Yeah. If it's on the CNN website, that's CNN. Yeah, I mean, uh, CNN is actually part of my company, too. So um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, at AOL we have user-generated uh, sites where people can upload video. Um, it's uh, it's one of those things. It's a, it's a risk that you take to, to when you're use, using user. Uh, that's one reason why a lot of advertisers don't want to. Uh, advertise on YouTube and places like that because you never know what your brand's going to be associated with. Sure. So it's it's a great way of getting citizen news. I know. Have you guys heard about uh, CBS and their iPhone app? Yes. Uh, so they have a citizen citizen uh, journalism iPhone app uh, news reporting thing, and the they had some interesting things posted <laughs> the last few days. So uh, everybody takes a risk, but I think it's one of those things that's uh, bound to happen. Um, I think it's one of those things that's really hard for you to just put a disclaimer up. I, I think there has to be some vetting. I, you know, when I worked at tel- uh, Time Warner Cable, we were coming up with a product, and we wanted to to allow users to upload videos and share them and, and let people take a look. But uh, unfortunately, uh, it was just too expensive for us to hire a lot of people to d- just review the uh, uh, submissions. Yeah, and I think that's probably what it comes down to is the money. I know that the iReport, I've watched a few iReports. Uh, mm-hmm. The one that really stands out in my mind was a story that a guy was showing the, the trash problem in a city in, in Italy where the garbage men are literally on strike mm-hmm. and the trash is piling up two or three stories tall in this one city. Uh, they catch on fire. People throw a cigarette butt out the window and these garbage piles are catching on fire. And wow. you have a, a three or four story flame at that point, and it just smells really bad. And you know, I had no idea about this story till I saw this eye report, and I found it very interesting. And that actually caused me to go out and look up more information about it online because it just kind of piqued my curiosity. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, I think citizen journalism is great, but it, it just seems to me that there has to be some kind of a vetting process if you're going to be putting citizen reporting journalism on the same page. Yep. As actual news, verified, vetted news. There's some actual. There's some companies out there actually working on some automated tools to help uh, companies who deal with uh, user-generated content to to sift through and flag things. I would imagine, at least to me, once you're approved for say two or three items, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the vetting process is very easy, and maybe it's it's automated at that point. You're kind of a trusted eye reporter, if you will. Yep. But if it's a first-time submission, it would seem to me it would be very prudent for someone to take a look at that before it's uh, basically given out to everyone. That's not to say I want the news organizations to live in a gated community, mm-hmm. but there has to be you know some kind of a fence between the two. The problem is, is that I, I mean, I have a problem with the term citizen journalism because to me, journalism means, uh, you know, a level of probity of a story. It means that the sources have been, you know, have been accredited, and you trust the sources to be correct. Yeah. Uh, and and of course, you know, people are just are using, you know, the saying citizen journalism just means anybody can post whatever they think, whatever they want. There's an awful lot of opinion being pushed out there that actually is being pushed as news, when in fact it's just opinion. Yeah. Guy 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 commented about uh, in the in the staff group about something that happened that was posted this week on the register that was um, you know it was it was full of opinion and unaccredited unaccredited statements that were presented as fact. Um, so it was an opinion piece, but the thing is, it was presented as a news story, and uh, that you know then you've got a problem because as a reader, how do you tell? The, the stuff that's opinion and that is, uh, you know, effectively is just what what was came out of the the mind of the writer and the stuff that's been verified and fact checked. Yes, hmm. and that that leads to a lot of legal questions as well. You can sue someone if they report a false news story, knowing that it's false. You can sue someone on that, but you can't sue someone for having an opinion. Right. So where is that line? Uh, that well, line is crossed until you get sued. That line is something that your editor normally maintains and makes sure you yeah. don't cross. But the problem is in, in these direct sites is that there's no editorial process at all. So I, yeah. I think CNN will learn something from this. And certainly I think the, uh, the SECC taking an interest and in looking at the business implications will certainly um, have some pushback on CNN. So hopefully they'll take, take the thing a little bit more seriously in the future. What do well, you think the whole, the- I mean, the whole reason why, why CNN ran with it was because they didn't want Fox News or somebody else to to get it first. So instead of having somebody fact check it, they just they just went ahead and ran with it. Well, that's the, fact, I think how hard how hard would if, if somebody's in hospital heart attack, how hard is it for you know even the most boiled hack to actually at least try and chase down a comment from somebody? Well, they it did, and it took them two hours to do. That was one of the problems, and I think right. that's why. Uh, legal-wise, Apple could have a case, or the stockholders of Apple could have a case against CNN saying, hey, you guys reported something that was complete BS. When you did call two hours late after the stock took a 10% dump, yeah. uh, someone on the phone said, no, he didn't have a heart attack. He's sitting right across from me right now. I can see him. He's fine. If they would have done that, if they had done their job immediately, but then we get back to the point, well, it wasn't CNN reporting it, it was, but they're giving the delivery mechanism, and I think that's that's where you kind of run into the problem. What do, what do you think the solution to this is, Lee? Or is there a solution? Well, I, I think it's one of those things we'll have to see how the courts uh, sort, sort these things out. I mean, if you read the iReport uh, Terms of Service, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty much out there. It's as is. What we upload and what you upload is, uh, you know, no reflection on CNN. But how much can you uh, disclaim? Yeah. I mean, how much? What's your responsibility of being the person who uh, enables that kind of stuff to uh, go out? So um, it'll be interesting what the SEC comes up with. Uh, this is uh, only the second time I think I've heard of, uh, uh, you know, direct stock manipulation. I think the last time was back in the '80s when uh, the founder of Benihana 
uh, did some stock ma- manipulation on Apple and actually went to jail. This could uh, – it's a brave new world, obviously, and we're not going to resolve anything on this show. But you know, it could be something, something as simple as someone's playing a, a prank. I can totally see that, but – you know, only time will tell, and, and we'll definitely stay on top of the story. And when we hear about anything, we'll we'll report it here on the MyMac podcast. In the meantime, I did an interview, and I want to play that now. This is a, kind of interesting. An, an application was yanked out of the App Store because it looked, or I'm sorry, it was too much like Tetris. The game was Shaker. The developer was uh, Funkware, and I've got an interview with the president of that company. So we'll be back after that interview. And I'm joined on the phone live by the president of Funkware. His name is Stan the Butcher. Actually, it's not the Butcher. How do you pronounce your last name, Stan? Miyashnikov. Okay, Miyashnikov. Did I say it right? Yes. Okay, because I, you know, with a name like the Butcher, I don't want to mess up the name too bad. Because you know, no, you don't. <laughs> Especially Stanley the Butcher, you know. That's right. <laughs> so we got you on the phone tonight for the podcast because um, I read a story up on the unofficial Apple weblog about Apple basically asking you to pull the your app up on the App Store Shaker down because it was too Tetris-like. And Correct. this kind of confused me, and it also kind of made me angry a little bit, to be honest, with, with all the other things that Apple has done uh, with the App Store, a lot of the controversy over the last oh, six weeks or so, letting some applications through, not letting other ones through, the NDA basically telling people they can't even talk about it, um, a lot of things that I just really don't agree with, but Apple didn't ask my opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> but when I saw that, that your game was basically taken down because it was too much like Tetris, I had to get more information, so I really appreciate you joining us on the show. Can you explain to us what happened and why it happened? Okay. What exactly happened is that on uh, Monday morning when I checked my obscure uh, Gmail uh, account, which I usually don't check, I found email from Apple, which was sent on Friday. So it was night, sent on right, uh, right at the October end, 3rd. Right at the end of the business day on Friday. October 3rd. Yeah. Okay. Stating that uh, they received a complaint from the Tetris LLC company and that they have five days to resolve it or take the game down. Now, uh, apparently the count started on Friday night at 5 o'clock uh, while I get my, that email on Monday morning. So I have already, like, basically three days were lost. Hmm. And on Monday morning, we had to deal with it. Uh, on Monday, we, sent, uh, we reviewed the uh, game. We reviewed the game specifications and what was posted on Apple Store. We did find one reference to Tetris, there was somewhere word Tetris in the Apple Store description, which was immediately removed. We notified Apple, but they said, no, even though we told us to remove the game, we are not the people who have problem with you. It's the other people. So you have to get consent from them, and then we decide. Hmm. I said, okay, here's the email address. They said, send them email. So I sent email directly to the, the legal team of the um, Tetris LLC to uh, inform them that we did indeed found one um, board Tetris which might infringe their uh, trademark on the name and it had been r- removed and there should be no issues anymore. 
They replied back to us um, probably 24 hours later with uh, an email that had just an attachment uh, which contained the ruling, the court ruling from 2001, based on which they asked us again to remove the game. Hmm. I said, okay, fine, I'll forward that information to our attorney, and our attorney will get back to you once it's reviewed. About three hours later, I received a phone call directly from Apple legal team asking me to remove the game. Why would Apple re- ask you to remove it? It's Legally, About they have that, no obligation. That, 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 that's my biggest issue here, is that Tetris did not contact us at all. Tetris did not send us any direct threats or emails or what have you. But when I spoke to the uh, legal representative of Apple, they told us that they've been on the phone with legal department of Tetris, whatever, their, their legal um, office, uh, quite a while about this particular, particular issue. And... Um, I said, okay, fine. So we still have like about 24 hours. It was uh, afternoon on Tuesday uh, until your five days, uh, you know, deadline um, reaches the end. So we would keep the game during that time while we do investigation. They said, no, we cannot guarantee that you have that time. And we want you to remove it now. Wow. I bought some time through the end of the day. With, uh, you know, and basically we had the meetings and stuff. We had to change our website because it would be whole and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we had to do something on our end, and we had only, like, basically, you know, just a few hours to do it. Uh, at uh, 10 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday, I personally uh, removed the game from view on Apple's side because we were basically told that if I don't do it, then they'll do it. And if they'll do it, we'll have much bigger problems putting it back. But Apple would have... still do it... Hmm? I was going to say, Apple, though, I, I I still don't understand why Apple was involved at all. It would seem so, to me that, legally... That, that, that's my point. I don't understand why Apple is involved at all. So what sh- should have happened is that they should have, uh, Tetris, should have contacted us directly to... We would have launched investigation. If you find any infringement on their copyright, which I doubt, uh, we would have redesigned the game and put remove it temporarily once our investigation is done. Because the claim of the copyright infringement is just a claim. Right. There's no proof it's for the court of law to decide. Absolutely. That's why you have a legal if team. If there's any validity in this claim, they say we infringe something of their copyright, but very important about American copyright law, which states that in no case does copyright protection for an original work or authorship extended to any idea, procedure, process, systems, method of operation, concept, principle, or discovery, regardless of the form in which it is described, explained, illustrated, or embodied in such work. So in your opinion, you had a very good case that this game was not infringement and that it should be allowed to be sold or given away for free up on the iTunes store? Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, I'm not an attorney to decide. We are. Uh, we uh, have a legal team, and the legal team is conducting a thorough investigation of their claim right now. Uh, in about a week or so, I will have a written report that would specify 
if we have any infringement whatsoever, and if we do what we should do to avoid it. Now, has Apple done this with any other game developers out there? No, 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 no. Nobody else did that. I've looked around. So um, the first precedent uh, of uh, the first game that was removed, as far as I know, maybe there were others, was Trees. The issue was a little different. Uh, Tetris claimed uh, trademark infringement, that the trees is too close to Tetris. This is a completely different issue. The trademark law is more, much more clear than the um, copyright law. And uh, similar-sounding words should not be used. We never used any similar-sounding words or the Tetris word itself anywhere in our game. Our game called Shaker, it has completely different controls. All source code is original. Um, scoring is different than the original Tetris. Besides, actually, the game is not based on Tetris. The game based on the on a game that I played back in 1988, which had the Russian name Stakan, which is in English means the drinking glass. Well, it was the first version of Tetris, but there was no Tetris name at all. Right. Yes. <laughs> so it was it was an old game. Um, I, I I don't know the personally Mr. Pajitnov who brought that game originally, but um, the game that I played uh, had a different name and a little different concept than the actual Tetris that, uh, you know, the modern Tetris. Well, I know the, the, the legalities that surround Tetris is, is so confusing anyways. Uh, yeah, this is, is, this is a Mac podcast, but I follow the game industry and I have for years and years, and I know that if you go back in time in, in the pet, in the Tetris case, at one point Microsoft owned it, uh, the rights to it, and a, a number of different companies have. And at this point, it, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I, my opinion goes, it's so muddled that it, it's almost to the point that nobody really owns Tetris. I mean, it's just so confusing. Well, uh, I would I would totally agree with it. And as I said, if we will, as soon as we settle this legal issue and we'll settle it one way or another if we find infringement we'll find a way around it but once we do we'll put the game back and it will be free but you're you're almost uh, guilty until you prove yourself innocent in this case it seems well well that that's what what apple put me in the situation they they declared me guilty before any legal investigation was done about the claim because as i said the claim is just the claim do you all all it means that the other party thinks that we did something that infringes their rights, but that's what they think. Right, and there's always a, another side to each story, and at the very least, you would have thought that Apple would have sided with their own developers and said, well, you guys have to work that out and you know, let us know when there's been an agreement, and then you know, we could take the appropriate steps at that point, but... It seems to me like Apple kind of injected themselves into the middle of it, which is their right as far as uh, the the licensing agreement that you have with Apple when you when you download the SDK. Right. But do you right. have any? But, but, Go ahead. Sorry. No. My my, my point is, uh, um, you mentioned it before. Uh, it's like uh, suing the Walmart for reselling a third party. Yeah. Product, exactly. Right? So in this case, Apple is a third party reseller. Absolutely. They did not make the game. They um, all they do is they sell it and they take percentage for selling it. As any reseller it's like an does. Ango, it's like any other like a pocket gear. It's like any other mobile reseller yep. of whatever. The problem is here. I believe the fundamental problem in 
with the Apple software is that Apple has a monopoly on the store. There's only one third-party reseller, or the first-party reseller, if you want, which is Apple, that can sell third-party software for their device, which is good from one point, point of view, because c- consumer knows where to go to get the software. Sure. Sure. But because there is a monopoly, they're more, more vulnerable for legal attacks like the Tetris did. Because if you sold it through, through, I don't know, let's say 10 different resellers, right? Where would they go? Exactly. They wouldn't go to exactly. 10 different resellers. They would go to us. Yep. Yep. Well, so they never contacted us directly. This is the main issue that I have. They never said to us that we violated anything, any copyrights or any trademarks or any what have you. They contacted Apple and forced Apple to remove our game from the store. And I think this is a very bad Precedent. tactic. Yeah. On, on the, I mean, it's a, it's a cowardly tactic on their side, especially sending the, um, you know, such letter at the end of the day on Friday. It's almost though know, that Apple kind of put themselves into the position that they um, are legally responsible if they're going to take these uh, preemptive actions themselves they're they're kind of setting themselves up legally to be responsible and which i think I, is I a agree. bad move and, for and, them. And, and, and that's why i actually directly asked this question i emailed later and asked this question um the apple legal department i said i brought um well why are you in such a situ- uh, position that you have to deal with it you are just a third-party reseller you should not be responsible for for any our or their action it should be between us and tetris not between us tetris and apple no, apple should never apple never enter into it. it no so but apple apparently with the all legal paperwork and stuff i'm i'm we all reviewing it right now to find out why apple is actually because they didn't answer this question so we we want to review all our legal agreements with apple to see why is actually apple in this situation it, it's kind of a, uh, a scary legal precedent to set. Um, I hope that this hasn't soured your desire to continue further developing software for the iPhone, though. Oh, no, 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 no. We will continue. To, you see, the games is not our specialty. The game was just... Uh, fun. Just a fun thing sure. to do. Um, uh, it was sold for, you know, high price stock because marketing was doing some research in the marketing for Apple. We are coming from Windows Mobile originally. Mm-hmm. We were a Windows Mobile developer for 11 years. And um, we had that game. We wanted to test the market, and that was fine. I had an agreement with, like, uh, with our marketing to sell it for 90 days and then make it free. <laughs> and it was going to be free, actually, next week. But you just missed it, huh? It's not there anymore, <laughs> so I'm sorry about it. But as I said, if uh, we're going to get to the bottom of it, we'll find out what exactly we're infringing on. And, if on anything at all. And, and your goal, uh, then, I take it, is to get it back up on the App Store. Yes, it's to modify the game if needed. So basically, what we will do, we will make uh, minimal modification that would require by law, if the law requires anything, sure. to uh, make it pass. And then we'll release it back to the store. Yes. Well, Stan, I wish you all the. At least we plan to do that. I hope it will happen. I, I hope so too. I, I, uh, I think that everybody should be allowed to uh, 
to develop software, and, and this is a I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be, but I've seen. Well, I'm not a lawyer yeah. too, but uh, fortunately we have some exactly. to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, please keep us informed. Let us know what the what the status is. Whether uh, it doesn't happen, it doesn't work out, or if it does, hopefully work out. Let us know, and we can let our listeners know and keep them informed. Do you have any other software up in the app store yet? Okay, so we're working on the program called FatNotes, which is our main application for Windows Mobile, mm-hmm. and right part is the new input method that we developed uh, for iPhone to substitute the keyboard. Uh, the idea is you can write in cursive or print or what have you, but with your finger. Oh, but, really? You know, with, your, with your finger, there's not much real estate on the screen to write the long words. What you can do, you can actually write letters on top of each other, and this would recognize it as a word. Oh, wow. That sounds kind of like, uh, the, it sounds like uh, an advance to the Newton, the way the Newton was operated, with gestures. Uh, well, uh, we had some relationship with Newton before, but I'm not going to go that. So, um, yes, we, uh, will, um, we will re-release the game if we can. If we can't, we will release our other software. So the right part is just a demo of our handwriting recognition solution for iPhone. And uh, we want to give it away for free. We want anybody to download it. And just all we asking back is send us your feedback and tell us if you like it or not. If you like what you like about it, if you don't like what you don't like about it. That's all we want. Great. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show this week, Stan, and good luck to you. Thank you very much. And we're back, and I want to thank Stan for the interview. Uh, interesting topics. Apple telling a developer they need to pull the software because... Uh, another company is claiming infringement. Uh, I think that's kind of a dangerous precedent to set. I know you guys um, haven't heard the interview yet because I did it while you guys were on hold and you haven't listened to the podcast yet, so you haven't heard my interview with Stan. But uh, we'll start with you, David. What do you think? Uh, Apple basically telling a developer you have to pull this out of here because it's infringing. Well, I, I suppose it's it's kind of, you know, that Apple's... Apple's model for this, I, I think, is similar to uh, to the way many media companies like YouTube deal with the DMCA takedowns. Whereas, if somebody makes an allegation of an infringement, the legally safest course of action for them to do is to comply with it and uh, and not worry about the details. Uh, and it seems to me that that that's pretty much the sort of policy they're adopting in this case. Yeah, it's kind of a dangerous policy, as far as I'm concerned. What do you think, Guy? Well, they they really had no choice, you know, uh, unless. You know, Apple is is already supplying the bandwidth. They're already supplying the server space. They're taking care of credit card information. I mean, they're the the de facto point man for all these apps, and therefore they would end up being probably legally responsible for any copyright infringement. So, what choice did they really have? Okay, um, I live in Battle Creek, so Kellogg's is a big company here for um, the older generation. You know, uh, the the Commercials used to say Kellogg's of Battle Creek, Michigan. Right. Well, Kellogg's makes a lot of cereal, and there's a lot of competing cereal companies out there. And you see a lot of cereals that it, it's Frosted Flakes. I don't care what the box says. Or it's Lucky Charms or whatever. No, no, we'll, we'll stick with Frosted Flakes. So okay. Kellogg sees that there's a company out there that that's making um, flakes of Frosted Flakes. I mean, you know, <laughs> something. And it, and it looks the same. It pretty much tastes the same, whatever. Kellogg's doesn't like it. 
It's infringing on their trademark. Does Kellogg's then go to Walmart and say, you need to pull all this off the shelf because this is infringing on our trademark? Or do they go to the company that's infringing on them and say, hey, you guys are infringing on this. You need to stop selling this. Well, if, if Walmart were the only distributor of that cereal and that was the only outlet this, this company had to market, I bet you they would go to them and say, uh, they would. There wouldn't be the. It wouldn't be the only thing they would do, but they would go to Walmart and say, "Look, you are helping distribute this pirate copy of our product, um, and we'd really appreciate you to uh, stand up and and take it off your shelves." But the Walmart think, would have I no legal would obligation to do that because no, I, 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 I don't. I don't think in this case Apple had a legal obligation to do it because you know no legal case has been launched at this point. But I think what um, what the owners of the Tetris trademark did, and uh, you know they've. <laughs> Let's face it, they've, um, you know, the Tetris is, is pro- probably one of the most copied bits of software going in terms of, you know, people have reproduced it over and over and over again. And we talked um, about that in the interview, actually. And I, I yeah. mentioned that so many different companies have owned the rights to Tetris over the years, including Microsoft, that for anybody to claim copyright of Tetris at this point, other than possibly the name itself, is ludicrous. But nevertheless, I mean, back back when the first um, when Tetris was for, first bought out of Russia, um, and and the rights were distributed around, there were several companies who sued each other over the over the rights to produce the Nintendo Game Boy version and that sort of thing. And yep. So th- this is this is a, there is historical precedent for this. Um, so I you know I, I guess if if a rights holder you know, contacts Apple and says, look, we, we feel we've got a claim here um, and um, we'd like you to stop distributing the product, otherwise we're going to f- feel full to say legal recourse. I guess Apple's attitude is, well, it's just not worth their while to uh, to argue with that. I don't know. I think it's such a dangerous precedent. It looks to me that Apple's not really standing up to for the companies that are developing for their platform, which helps them um, sell the iPhone. Um, I would I would hope that a company like Apple would have taken a more of a neutral stance and told the Tetris company, "You get a hold of the, the infringers, work it out, and uh, you know if you have to sue them, go for it. That's your right. But you know we didn't make the software, uh, we don't make any claims on the software. Uh, they sell it through our store, but we're just a reseller at this point. We have nothing else to do with it other than that." And but I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure when Apple receives the notification from the copyright holder, their legal team have a look at it and just decide decide whether there was any merit in it. And well, and it was legal Apple the, who who got a hold of them too. I mean, that's yeah. who he's been talking to. Yeah, it, but clear, clearly in this case, they they felt there was potentially a case to answer, and so you know they acted accordingly. I, I, uh, unfortunately, it does go back to this this point we've made before in, in regards to the App Store is that. You know, 99.9% of the applications on there are not causing a problem. And so, you know, it's very easy for Apple to deal with these 0.1% um, problem applications, whether they conflict with Apple's business model or with somebody's copyright or they're just in what Apple considers to be poor taste. It's just easy for the, the 0.1% just to pull them rather than, uh, you know, make make a bigger deal out of it than, than, than they feel they need to. It's yeah, unfortunate it, it, for the developers, but that's just, just, just the, the deal that they've signed up to, and the, the you know yeah. the devil's in the detail. Yeah, it'd be kind of like the the uh, RIAA going to Apple and say, "We want you to make sure that none of your machines can copy a DVD after the fact." It's like, yeah. well, you know, technically we could do that, but 
you know, there's legal precedent saying we don't have to because there are legal reasons that people could copy a, a DVD, whether it's one with copy protection or not. You know, if if Apple made that the law of the land, I think they'd probably lose a lot of Mac users because people want to copy even their own DVDs, their 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 homemade DVDs. I do that all the time. When uh, a family member wants a copy of a DVD that I made, I can do that using Apple's built-in software. If Apple made it so I couldn't copy a DVD, guess what? I'd probably buy a PC just to do that alone. I don't think I would abandon the Mac, but, well, I might because at that point it's there's a lot of precedent of, of Apple meddling with what I can and can't do. That I it, it, something like that may just push me over the edge, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about a little bit going up on mymac.com. Um, and the big thing is, Guy Suro, you posted a blog saying there's a big Apple event on Apple, uh, October 14th. Yes, yes, Apple made a uh, announcement. It's the iCar, isn't it? We're going to get a, a, a car yes. from Apple, and it flies, and it flies. So, yeah, so you know, and does has nothing to do with trash. Uh, on the the card that they gave to various press people, it says the spotlight turns to notebooks. So, so just kind of going out on the limb here, but I think it probably has to do with Apple Portables. Yeah, I think it might have to do with uh, the the MacBook, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro. Uh, I don't know. What do you? What's your speculation, David Cohen? I well, I I think that uh, I mean there's been some some leaked pictures, but uh, you never know how how accurate those can be, but. I, Lately, it's been, been very accurate. Well, yeah, but you know, you can never be hundred percent sure. I, I mean, everyone's been speculating that the uh, the white MacBook is due for an update, and uh, we even talked a couple of weeks ago how um, you know moving At to last uh, week actually. Yeah. Yeah, moving, beating up on me. Yeah. That's, Did you that's like the right, picture yes. that I made, guy with the fist hitting you? On <laughs> yeah, a, that was pretty. No, yeah. And actually, I got I got zippy. Zippy email. Really? On that, yeah. Well, there was some comments up there on the uh, on the notes for the for the podcast. Bakari actually uh, put a note up there that he agreed with a lot of what you were saying. That's um, because he's a very smart man. He's a very smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. I mean, I I, I think probably aluminium is going to be the uh, you know the new black in terms of. Uh, terms of the MacBooks, and, and I think they're going to rationalize the line. I think the differentiation between the MacBook and the MacBook Pro um, is likely to disappear. I think they're just going to have one laptop line that will go from the bottom end of the cheaper end right all the way up to uh-huh. the 17-inch, um, you know, large portable. So you think it's just uh, going to be MacBook at this point? Well, it'll, it'll either be MacBook or it might be MacBook Pro. I don't know, or maybe it'll be something new, but I, I don't think... I think the, the, the line between the consumer and the Pro... Um, has become increasingly less relevant over the past couple of years. The machines are all, you know, broadly on a par par with each other in terms of power now. Yeah. And um, you Quartz know, I, I and think screen size is the big, big difference. Yeah. And I, and I think the, the, you know, because Apple's market is, has grown, particularly in the portable line, I think having that that somewhat artificial divide now is is not so relevant to them anymore. So it wouldn't surprise me if they rationalised to a, you know a, a broader product line of a single sets of laptops rather than necessarily having a consumer in the pro levels. Well, it's, yeah. What do you think, Guy? Uh, I, I, I have to disagree. I think that uh, the MacBook Pros as a product line is going to stay right where it is. It, it may get a little, you know, a little polishing for or during during this announcement. But I don't think the MacBook Pro is going anywhere. I think that they're going to release a slightly smaller MacBook, and it'll be a little bit cheaper. 
I'm not sure myself. Um, I, my biggest problem with the MacBooks is screen size and ports. doesn't have enough ports, and it doesn't have a big enough screen for me. That being said, Apple definitely needs a, a less expensive computer than the MacBook Pro, and I think the MacBook fits that need perfectly. I want something like the MacBook Air. I want it thinner, uh, but I don't want to spend $1,800 for it. I want a big screen like the MacBook Air, but I want my ports like my MacBook Pro, and I also want a DVD drive in it like my MacBook Pro. Well, so, you're not going to get a DVD drive in thin. There's ways to do it. Uh, it won't be as thin, but maybe a little thinner than the current MacBook Pro line. Um, how, I don't how, know. How, mu- how much do you actually use the DVD drive in your Mac? Quite a bit. I mean, have, not in, when I'm at home. Used, when I'm at home, I don't. But when I'm on the road, I have used it on occasion. Uh, and I also... Thumb drives are getting to the point now. I'm seeing four gigabyte thumb drives for twenty bucks, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, that is so cheap. And that's a lot quicker and easier to copy a file from one machine to another using a thumb drive. That's quicker than going over the network. That's quicker than burning a DVD. Much um, quicker than burning a DVD. Yeah, and then putting it yeah. on the other machine and copying it off a DVD. That being said, you know, honestly, David, the more I think about it, probably I don't use the DVD drive as much. I would say yes for games because DVD is still the delivery mechanism of choice for game developers. And the, and, uh, and software. the DRM of choice as well. Yes, but also software. Um, I know I can get an external drive and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know. Developers, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, someone that's going to have CS4, which is coming up, that's going to be on a DVD. You're not going to put that on a thumb drive, although that would be kind of cool. Um <laughs> Now that I think about it, I think maybe more developers should start releasing content on thumb drives rather than... Because every Mac, every PC has anything new, and that's been new over the last couple of years, has has, has a USB 2.0 drive in it, or a port in it, right? Sure. Why not? Why not release a thumb drive? I well, mean, it's going to be more co- expensive. For number one, it costs more, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it wouldn't if it was order on demand. It wouldn't be something that you can pick up at a store, but if you order CS4 from Adobe.com, they would send you a thumb drive. I think the price of, for the price of a CS4 suite, they could they could yeah. drop the twenty dollars yeah. for the thumb drive. Yeah, yeah. it wouldn't even be twenty dollars in bulk. That's true. No, and that's that's a, exactly, guy. That's our price if we buy it, uh, and that's sitting on a shelf at Target or Best Buy. That's right. why it's twenty bucks. Um, for them to do it, it'd probably cost you know two or three bucks Half. tops. Oh, probably a lot less than half. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's a good concept. but And it's also a good point I, that you make, David. How often do I really use the drive in that? Now, my kids, for instance, uh, they were real excited when they first got their MacBooks that they could watch movies on it now. But the only movies they watch are the electronic copies that they pull off of my computer. They don't actually yeah. physically go get the DVD. They just say, hey, Dad, can I watch The Matrix? Yeah, I'll copy it over to your drive. Just open up your Mac, and I'll drag it over via the network, and you got it in five minutes. Now, you guys haven't gone on a uh, like a long car trip lately, have you? Uh, we have, but the problem with that is the battery life on a notebook, um, I don't think, is still to the point where you can really enjoy movies comfortably. You're constantly... Looking at the battery meter, going crap. You know, I've only I can only watch one movie, and then this thing's going to be dead, and I have to recharge it again. Yeah, so, but there are some there are some pretty decent uh, uh, DC to AC converters out there that you can plug a laptop. I mean, I use one in my car all the time to to keep it powered up when I'm you know like, like I went to Ohio a couple weeks ago, 
and uh, when I was getting ready to to leave the hotel I was staying in, I noticed that my my laptop was almost dead. So I, I plugged this thing into my cigarette lighter and then the uh, the laptop into that, and it was recharged by the time I got home. Yeah, Good point. If you that's what the iPhone's for is watching video in the back of a the car. There you go. The, the, or the iPod Touch. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we will. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I don't really want to speculate on what we're gonna see from Apple. I know what I would like. I would like a MacBook Air with more ports and a. Maybe I don't really need the drive, but I, I still want one. If for no other reason that if I have a problem, I can put the Mac OS 10 CD in it, hold down right. C, restart, and I can you know fix some of the problems that way. Or I can use a third party application. Um, uh, what is it? The Warrior uh, Disc Warrior. That comes on disc. That comes on CD and, and boot DVD off that. And boot off that I, and and repair I, my machine. What I would say from having you know, I, I mean, I do have a couple of machines that don't have a, an in, inbuilt optical, optical drive. Not least my uh, little MSI Win that uh, that has OS X running on it. But I mean, I, certainly, I, I I couldn't have even got on OS X onto that machine without having an external USB DVD drive. So I think anybody who does have a machine without an optical drive needs to have one of those external USB devices. And there's more expense. But, you know, the, well, yeah, but it, you know, not not really. I mean, not you know, it's a little bit of expense, but you're not talking an awful lot of money. You can buy an external enclosure, enclosure and a bare drive, and putting something like that together is is you know, is not very much money really. But you know, the so, thing is, people won't buy it at first, and then the moment they need it, it'll be on a Friday night. And they go, crap, I need to, you know, boot up Mac OS X from uh, a DVD. I don't have the external drive. I'm going to need to order one. It's going to be at least Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday at this point before I get it. I'm out of my machine until then. I'm tipped. Well, yeah, you, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and that's what Otherworld Computing's there for. <laughs> Speaking of which, they are our sponsors this week. We were talking about the Elgato uh, what is it? The Elgato Turbo dot two six four. Yeah, there you go. That's what I meant. Um, I kind of want to get one. I don't know how much use I'm going to get out of it. I've got a two point eight gigahertz iMac. Maybe it'll speed it up. Maybe it won't. I've heard conflicting reports. Some people say that it drastically speeds up converting video into H two six four content. Um. Others say no, like like you were saying earlier, David. It, it 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 really all depends, and it really didn't help you too much. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the thing is, if you, if you really want H.264, uh, it will help you out because because doing that on a bare machine, you know, it's normally slower than doing you know just an ordinary video conversion. So, you know, if you really want to get the best quality and go H.264, it probably will help you out. Now, these but, things you know, cost eighty bucks. Uh, if you go up to Otherworld Computing right now, and I'm going to put a link directly into this, they've got refurbished ones, and you know they guarantee that they're going to work just fine. It is Otherworld Computing, so you don't have to worry about that. Twenty bucks off, fifty nine ninety nine instead of seventy nine ninety nine. And, and and really, you know, this is a solid state USB device, so you know that that is a very good deal. Absolutely. So that's our pick nothing, of the week. Yeah. There's nothing really can go wrong with these. What else is going on at, at mymac.com right now, David? You had a review, didn't you? Yeah, I had a review of a couple of external drives. You know what? I, it amazes me. Uh, you know, I remember back in the in my my first machine had one kilobyte of RAM, and yeah. uh, and I stored all my programs on the, on an audio cassette via an audio cassette <laughs> recorder. Oh, so, I had an atom, huh? 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, really, it does amaze me. The, the drives I was looking at are from um, the Seagate Maxor. They're actually all the same company now. Um, there was a, a very nice external drive with a, you know, a kind of a nice um, sort of metallic burnished case, quite quite stylish in a kind of retro way. And this thing is a terabyte set on my desktop. Unbelievable. Um, and, you know, that's my, uh, the, the, I use that drive as a time machine backup, and uh, it's absolutely outstanding. It has a little um, port that you can, uh, like uh, a section that you can take out the bottom to change the interface from USB and Firewire to eSATA uh, or Firewire 800, if that's what you want to do. Um, and really, it's a fanta- absolutely fantastic drive. And, you know, it's, it's $180 for a terabyte. Um, Crazy. Which is, you know, more storage... <laughs> This has been said before in computing, but it's quite quite literally more storage than you will probably ever need. I got an so. email from, um, uh, you might know them. I'm not really familiar with them uh, because they're, up to this point, they've been more in Europe than, you know, I'm looking at the wrong one. Is this it? Uh, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. So it's going to take me a second to find that because I got a lot of email today. Um, <laughs> this is a different one. Crap. Always happens when you're recording a live show. Anyways, it's a company, and they've got a 1.5 terabyte external drive now. This is a case yeah. and the drive. And I thought, wow, a 1.5 terabyte. I didn't even know they made drives now, a single drive that's 1.5 terabyte. Is this something yeah. new? I th- that's that's got to be relatively new. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen them yet. They've just started. Sh- I mean, the terabyte ones have been out for a few months, but they've just started shipping the one and a half terabyte. Uh, Macway is the name of the company, and right. it's the Silver Drive Quattro 1.5 terabyte, the world's first 1.5 terabyte quad interface single drive external hard drive. That's a mouthful. Wow, 1.5 terabytes. I mean, you get two of these. One for, you know, everyday use, you copy stuff to it, and, and the other one that does nothing but back that one up. Good Lord. That's three Absolutely. terabytes of data on on two little devices sitting on your shelf. That's the, I mean, it, as I say, it's quite amazing because, you know, uh, a few years back you had server rooms that didn't have this much storage in. Um, and now you ha- you can have it sat on your desktop. Really, the po- I mean, I looked at a 250 gig um, portable drive from Maxor as well in the same review, uh, which was also great. And, and really, the the point I, I both gave both these drives five out of five because there was absolutely no problems with them at all, and they come with um, you know fantastic five year warranties. Uh, and um, you know the you really are you can't go wrong buying something like this. You pay a little bit more for the brand name, but you know what? I've had a lot of stuff off eBay with you know sort yeah. of no name stuff from Taiwan. A lot of times just, you get what you pay for. Exactly yep. these things that you know they're well built. They're they're really good quality. They're absolutely bomb proof. Seagate uh, and, and Maxor are very yeah. good brand names to to look at and harder. And I, I would throw out a couple other companies and. I don't know anything about this Macway that I was just talking about. Um, he says, uh, da, 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 da. let me see. Oh, see, I'm looking at the wrong one again. Uh, Vincent was his name. Um, yeah, but they're brand new coming to the U.S. market, um, and it's more of uh, the European market. So if he wants a review, David, you might be getting a 1.5 terabyte drive to review. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, well, oh, oh, darn, more storage space. He, yeah. The thing is, is, is it will have it will it will probably have a name drive inside, even if he's Absolutely. rebranded yeah. the enclosure, and, and that's kind of what counts. You know, a five-year warranty on a hard drive that means that they know these things last. 
Did you guys see the uh, Microsoft video that I posted up on the blog side? <laughs> I, I I couldn't get through more than about a minute. Oh, of it, it's so bad. Did you watch it, guy? No, I didn't. Um, it's basically the concept is uh, it's this PR company, marketing company that just got the Microsoft uh, Microsoft Eight. Is it right. was it Microsoft Eight? Microsoft or it, Seven. Was it Seven? Whatever it is. They just got that from Microsoft, so they're going. They're the new PR company for it. And what's their ideas to promote it? And it proceeds to show a three and a half minute boy band video of guys that aren't boys. <laughs> it, it's so. It, I can't believe that anybody at Microsoft would say, "Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's run with that." It's it's so bad. It, it, it is anybody awake at Microsoft? Is anybody looking at this stuff? Because. I could produce videos for them that would be much better than this. Yeah, they they really, uh, you know, I mean, everyone everyone has said to them for a long time, they, people have been commentating, saying, you know, when are you going to respond to the, to the Apple ads? When are you going to come back and say, you know, no, we're not as bad as people say we are in the press? And, you know, now they've started doing it, and they've made themselves look even worse than yeah, saying They look nothing. like whiners. <laughs> they stop picking on us, Apple. Stop it. And they dropped, you know, they dropped ten million, ten million dollars on the Seinfeld ads that, which I know, thought actually, were brilliant. That, well, I thought they were funny. I mean, I, I thought they were great. I A lot didn't of people didn't was, like. No one knew what they were about, David. No, I, I, I didn't know what they were selling. But you know, I like Seinfeld, and, and you know, Seinfeld and Bill Gates. I was, I was getting along with that. You got to like Bill I Gates. I mean, yeah, you I, know, Bill well, Gates. It was, was, it was selling Microsoft as a brand, as yep. compared yeah. to trying to sell Windows. Yep. Yeah, and, but, and that's but, what they know, need to do. They and they succeeded it. beyond their their wildest dreams. <laughs> yeah, but they, they they bottled it. They you know they they didn't have the uh, you know they didn't want to stay the course, and um, you know so they've threw ten million dollars down the drain for that, and now they've come up with this that is just appalling. You know, quite appalling. well, if you're talking about the one that I posted, yes. But let's talk about that. I'm a PC commercial. Before we wrap that was up the appalling show. as well. Well, the, here's the thing. At first, I thought, you know what? Does this negate Apple doing the Mac and PC commercial? Because after seeing this, do does Apple come off looking like a bully? And I thought that might be the case, and maybe that's what uh, Microsoft was trying to do. They put this out there. They get a little sympathy, and then you can't really watch the Apple commercials in the same light that you did before because now they kind of look like, you know, bullies. But after seeing a couple of these Microsoft commercials... I don't. I don't feel sorry for them anymore. It's just pathetic. They they come across as a bunch of whiners. Stop yeah. picking on us, Apple. We're a huge. We're so much bigger than you that it's not even funny. Our our Windows operating system is so much more popular as far as sales than the Mac OS X. It's not even funny. And yet you guys are picking on us and you're hurting our feelings. We want you to stop. I'm a PC. I'm a PC too. It's like you know wow, the, the, the thing. The thing about that is, I mean, you know, as somebody who's who's worked in the Windows industry for for a while, and, and you know, I, I've been to I've been to quite a few Microsoft events. I was there at the launch of Windows 2000, and you know, the first thing I saw when I saw the uh, you know the response to the the effectively the I'm a PC ad, which is the for anyone who's not seen it, effectively they're saying they start by showing a, a John Hodgman clone and he says, I'm a PC and I've been reduced to a stereotype. Type, and then they, right. show, 
a whole stream of people who say, I'm a PC, and it's all diverse people right across the world. They've got a hippie and a, a bearded guy and a biker and a doctor and a, you know, a cool girl and a skater boy and all these different people, and Bill Gates is in there, and they're going, I'm a PC, I'm a PC. For a start, it missed the point, because, you know, the, the I'm a... I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ads are not about the users of the computers. They're about the computing experience itself. That's what they're poking fun at. So that's point one. Point two is if you've been to Microsoft events, you've seen that same ad with different taglines and different flavors countless times. It's generic corporate video, you know, of showing different people saying something, you know, it's unimaginative, it's whining. Boring, dull, you know, slick ad thing. You know, it's lowest common denominator corporate advertising. It's not innovative or new or, you know, clever at all. And, you know, at this point, I think it actually draws more attention to the I'm a Mac ad. And I'm more looking forward to seeing them than I have been for a while. Yeah. It's, it's, (laughs) oh, well. Anyways, that's our show this week. We will be back next week. Now, uh, David, you won't be with us next week. I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks. I'm going on holiday. Uh, I'm going to be cruising around uh, the Canary Islands on a on a large ship that's uh, that's well well equipped with a very expensive internet. It's not really up to uh, to me doing a Skype, unfortunately. Well, we're going to miss you for two weeks. Uh, next week we do have. I'll tell you who the schedule. You know, something could happen. They could drop out. Of course. You know. Uh, but right now we have Mike, or I'm sorry, uh, we have <laughs> Adobe scheduled. Adobe scheduled for next week. We're going to have a chat with them talking about. Photoshop CS4. I haven't got a copy yet. I'm supposed to get one either the end of this month, the beginning of next month. They're going to send a couple copies to my Mac for review, and I'm fortunate enough to get one, uh, which means I have a whole new suite of applications that I have to learn. I'm just now comfortable with CS3, so that'll be fun. <laughs> um, well, you can always send me. Uh, you can't do that. Definitely. No, I can't do that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing from Adobe, hearing some of the new features in uh, CS4. Learning a little bit of Photoshop history, I, I told them I really wanted to talk about that as well. So they're getting me the appropriate person that could talk about uh, the history of Photoshop because I, I think I think that's very interesting. Uh, and then the week after that, we have tentatively scheduled, and David won't be here for this either. Is Freeverse Software? Now remember, Love we the had, monkey. We, we had them on not too long ago, uh, before the App Store went live. And so they really couldn't talk too much about their applications for the iPhone. Well, now that the App Store is live, Freeverse has been consistently within the top ten. Uh, in fact, this week I think they have number one and number two iPhone applications. So we're going to get uh, Brian Akaka back on and talk about that because it's sweet. Freeverse is a great company. They make awesome products. Uh, I've been playing Flick Bowling, which is a whole lot of fun, and that's one of their applications. So. Um, and right now, as we're recording this podcast, and as most people are listening to it, until the end of this month, or sometime towards the end of this month, all their software up on the iTunes Store is only ninety nine cent, and it's really quality games too. For, so check that out. It, it's you can't beat it for ninety nine cent. No, uh, Freeverse is great. Freeverse is great. Uh, and then uh, we tentatively have someone scheduled after that, but let's not go there yet because that's still like three weeks away, and it's coming close to Halloween, and who knows what's going to happen. In fact, guys. Um, uh, three weeks from today, we may have to record the show either on a Wednesday or a Saturday because we have a band thing on Thursday, which is when we record the show, and Friday is Halloween, and I'm not missing my Halloween for anybody, guys. i got to get me the free candy. So oh, No doubt. <laughs> yep. So it's, it's probably going to be a Wednesday or a Friday that we record, uh, so we may be missing Guy that week or David yeah. or both or, you know, 
Lord knows I don't want to do the show by myself because it would be extremely boring. So, anyways, that's uh, my Mac podcast number two zero four two hundred and four. We'll be back next week. We'd love to get feedback from you guys. All you have to do is drop us an email at tim at mymac dot com. Or pick up a telephone and call our number, and we'll play your comments on the show. It's 801-938-5559. Again, 801-938-5559. And uh, in closing, I want to thank, um, who was it? What was his name? It was Mark. Mark asked Guy and David if we're going to have another uh, MyMac podcast listener meetup at the Macworld Expo and the answer is yes we just don't have any details yet so we're out of here bye thanks for downloading the mymac.com podcast you can subscribe to this podcast at our rss feed at mymac.com or by visiting the iTunes music store's podcast section please send all feedback to mymacpodcast at gmail.com and thanks for listening to the mymac.com podcast